Welcome to the Boys in Blue podcast, the podcast that's all about cops. I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. You have tuned in, undoubtedly, to the most informational law enforcement podcast out there today because we'll talk to real cops, some active, some retired, and we'll get the inside story on law enforcement. Once again, I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. And once again, I'm seated behind this stainless steel titanium microphone inside the Boys in Blue podcast studio here in beautiful Mesa, Arizona. And today's podcast, uh, I have the pleasure of speaking with an old friend, worked the streets a lot with him. now, a lot of you know, regular listeners, by the way, by the way, just as a sidelight, uh, at the end of the podcast, you know, I ask folks to give us, go over to Apple or wherever they get their podcasts and give us a good review. But, you know, the more I think about it, I don't really care about those reviews. <laughs> so I'd ask you just to share it with somebody. Say, hey, you know, I've got a pretty good podcast here. or Or it's not a good podcast in your eyes you can say hey listen this guy's a kick man what a you know he's funny just to listen so anyway i'd ask you to do that but a lot of you know that i'm a retired deputy from pierce county sheriff's office up in washington state now the major city within pierce county is the city of tacoma a lot of you have heard of tacoma it's just south of seattle there uh, and so i was in the canine unit now Tacoma Police Department also had a canine unit, and we worked very closely with them. One of my favorite guys in the Tacoma Police Department, his name is Jerry Lerum, and he retired uh, from Tacoma Police Department as a lieutenant, but we were in canine together years ago, so Jerry, are you on the line with us today? I am, Billy. It's great to talk to you. Jerry, welcome to the Boys in Blue podcast. Now, tell me, how long were you on the Tacoma Police Department? Well, I was honored to be a member of that department for 34, almost 35 years. Wow. Now, see, that's what I love about you, Jerry. Right out of the gate, your mindset, you were honored, you know, and you always kept that mindset that, hey, it was a privilege to get out there and serve and... (laughs) And be a policeman and protect and serve. So I always appreciated that about you. 35 years with TPD. Now, uh, tell me, what drew you into law enforcement? What influenced you to go take the test to be a police officer? Well, it was uh, when I was nine years old. I was riding with my dad in the truck, and uh, we witnessed a fatality accident out here on the Key Peninsula. And I was sitting in the car watching those state troopers do this absolutely phenomenal job in trying to save this person's life and just uh, their statue, the way they performed. And um, I fell in love with the profession, the professionalism. They look sharp in those uh, Smokey the Bear hats. And um, at nine years old, I made my mind up. 
nine years old. Well, <laughs> was that a little bit traumatic of a fatal accident? Gee, uh, well, so you got to see firsthand what they do. Um, how did you end up with TPD, Tacoma Police Department? Well, you know, back in the 70s, both you and I have the height challenge. Um, and I grew up in the city of Tacoma. Um, as my family did, they homesteaded there in the early 1900s. And wow. um, I had a lot of, lot of connections at Tacoma. Um, my first choice was Washington State Patrol, but as they had a fairly stringent height requirement at that time, so uh, I ended up with TPD, which was my first love, really, because it was more well-rounded, where State Patrol's more traffic-related. I had more options with uh, Tacoma. That's true, you know, and those were the days. <laughs> I can remember the State Patrol their minimum height requirement was six feet. Now, if you had two years of college, you could be 5'11". <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> In fact, uh, when I was hired, you had to be 5'9", minimum. Yeah. I don't know what it was like. When... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're right. You and me had to stand on our toes a little bit. but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Well, so TP, by the way, what high school did you go to in Tacoma? I went to Peninsula High School over in Geek Harbor. Oh, okay. Okay. So when you say you grew up in Tacoma, just the Tacoma area, what you mean? Yeah, um, we moved uh, out of Tacoma. My parents were concerned that I possibly may be going down the wrong road. So they wanted me to uh, grow up in a rural area. So about uh, junior high school age, uh, we moved over to the Gig Harbor area. Uh, okay, yeah. So you get on with Tacoma Police Department. Now, what did you have any uh, education, college, or anything? Yeah, I had uh, an associate's degree through uh, Pierce College and then um, went to Central. And while I was at Central, I got hired on uh, with TPD. Oh, okay. Yeah. What was your major going to be there at Central? Uh, criminal justice. Okay. All right. So that was in your blood. Oh, absolutely. Through. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you got hired with TPD. And like everybody else, you go through the academy, go through patrol. Now, Jerry, with 35 years, uh, tell me, you started out in patrol. How long were you in patrol before you got promoted again? Well, um, I started in patrol uh, because I looked like I was 12. They recruited me to narcotics. Oh, really? So I, yeah, I did some undercover um, buys for the narcotics division when I was first on. And then um, just about three years later, um, we started a canine program in Tacoma. And... Um, Although I initially wanted to go into on the motors uh, was my first career goal. I fell in love with canine, and um, that became my my pursuit. And so what? I was selected for that canine unit. What drew you to canine? Tell me that. Um, I just because it did. We didn't have SWAT back then, Billy. We didn't have. Um, 
you know, the, the big team aspect in the critical situations. And um, I was an adrenaline junkie, a young kid, and I just, I just thought that that was the best way to uh, fulfill that. And um, I really was attracted by the bond that those, those handlers had with their partners. Uh, I think it was really unique. And I didn't, I just thought that it would be a good fit for me. And well, it was. Obviously it was, yeah. Now, I remember your dog, Timo. Phenomenal animal. Now, how long did you work canine? Well, I was selected in 82. And uh, we left in April. In fact, it was a year, it was uh, the anniversary yesterday um, of 1990 we left. So we we had good eight year career, which is very rare with just one canine partner. Yes, for sure. Eight years. Yeah. And old Timo, how old was he when he finally retired? Uh, he was 12 and he retired to the fireplace here at home. And uh, we were fortunate to have him until he was 16. Wow. That is a long life for a shepherd. That's long life. Yes. yes. <laughs> wow. Well, I can remember the days when we were both uh, out there in the street together, and uh, we had a lot of good experiences, that's for sure. Well, tell me, after K-9, um, now, in our previous conversation, it got to be where old Timo just was having a little trouble jumping those five-foot fences and that, and so you just said, well, I'm not going to put him through this, and retired him and transferred back to patrol. Is that the way it worked? That's what, yeah. We were actually out on a training track, and he had some difficulty jumping in the back of a semi-trailer. And um, I said to myself, that's it. He's He served the community. He's been the best partner I can imagine. And uh, uh, he had a phenomenal, like your dog, Boss had a phenomenal capture rate reputation, and I was not going to let any physical limitations uh, or my ego destroyed that, so we drove into the station, and I told him I was done. Wow. Well, that's, you know, my hat's off to you for that, because, you know, okay, we're, you're a decisive guy, Jerry. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's it. We're done. <laughs> so, yeah, tell yeah. me. It's, it, it was a difficult situation, Billy, because, as you know, canine's just not a one-to-one -one deal. You know, the family was extremely involved. And there was a lot of identity with that. You know, it wasn't just Jerry as the patrolman. It was, oh, you're a canine handler. Oh, wow. So, mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot that went into that decision. Well, as we chatted earlier, Jerry, you know, there was a lot of uh, canine was a little bit different back then. And like you said, we were thrust into situations that made the news weekly. And that had a lot to do with the status of being in canine. I mean, you were on the front line. You were the first one through the door all the time. I mean, and that was one of the things I think we both enjoyed is we weren't taking vandalism calls. We were, it's all felony pursuits and um, alarms and shootings and that sort of thing. So you're right. It is kind of a, a status thing and you get used to um, the night shift and, uh, the hot calls, 
Yeah, so that was quite a challenge for you, not only your family, but you going back to patrol. Now you're taking uh, loud music calls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and when I went back, it was right in, the, right in the middle of the Goodwill games. So um, it was pretty challenging. Uh, manpower was short, and the call, call load was high. And, um, yeah, it was a very busy time. As you remember, Tacoma had the, the highest crime rate per capita in the nation at that time. Um, we had the influx of gangs on the hilltops. And it was a target-rich environment. It was ro it was rock and roll, as you remember. Well, I tell you, that was the crack epidemic, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was. Yep. Yeah. Jeez, man, that was horrible. So anyway, you came through that, okay? Now, after patrol, you went into investigations. Was that it? No, I went to Motors after that. I had a, oh. a mentor on the department um his name was mike darwin you you probably knew mike and uh you know we we had a meeting in fact the night that i went in to resign my position he looked at me across the desk and says hey jerry we know you can work a dog but we don't know you can do anything else so you, <laughs> you might think, you might think about doing something else within the department so i decided to go to motors so i i went to motors um uh, six months after I left canine. Wow. You know, speaking of Mike Darling, I was thinking um, this morning, uh, I asked you if you lived in the same house that we, you know, we had a party at your house and stuff. And yep. one, one of the people I remember there was Mike Darling. And for our listeners, he retired and was retired like, what, a couple months? No, it was, it was less than a month. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> He retired yeah. as the captain or assistant chief or something. Assistant chief, yeah. yeah. Chief. So, and I mentioned this just to remind us all that, you know, we got today. Now, he's on a motorcycle ride in his Harley and just retired, took up on his bike for a little trip or whatever. Now, he had a stroke and crashed or crashed and had a stroke. I can't remember exactly what happened. But no, he had a... He had a um, uh, blood clot his leg, yep, that traveled up um, oh. while he was on his bike. As, you know, as ironic it was, I was supposed to be on that motorcycle trip with him. Um, it was a celebration of his retirement. Oh, and uh, he and some of our other um, Harley enthusiast friends went down to see his daughter in Arizona. And it was a bright, sunny day, and his bike was shining, and um, the guys next to him looked like he was on top of the world, and um, the event happened, and he left the roadway, and we lost him uh, two days later. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a difficult time, but he, he, he left us doing what he loved, so. Yeah, well, you know, and not to be uh, negative or anything, but you know, uh, we have some wonderful memories of Mike, and but it also reminds us that every day is special, and so we live life to its fullest. And I think you've been doing that since you. Re How long have you been retired now, Jerry? I've been gone uh, from TPD since 2014. Okay. Yeah, five years or so. Okay. Well, let me ask you this now. Okay, so Mike Darling talks you into going in the motors there. 
So you get on one of those where they had Kawasaki's in, I'm thinking. We were on the cow, yeah. 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 So how long were you in motors? Well, I did uh, six years on motors uh, and went into accident reconstruction while I was on motors. Went through um, all the, that training, was the uh, lead motorcycle instructor for the entire state, um, one of them, uh, which I truly enjoyed, that aspect of teaching. Um, then I left motors and was promoted to sergeant, went uh, into patrol as the sergeant, and then went back to motors and uh, was one of the traffic sergeants for six years man alive you know i've had guys tell me um when I, I don't think he'll you know i don't want to mention any names really but i don't think he'd mind uh john solheim absolutely he, yeah one of our canine partners there he <laughs> rode he rode bikes forever he had i mean cross country everything like that then he made sergeant and they put him in sergeant uh, traffic. Uh, so he thought, well, my guys have to go through this motorcycle training. I'm going to go through it too. So he went through what your training for uh, police motorcycle operators. And he said, I thought I knew how to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> All the years I've been riding bikes, I knew nothing compared to what those guys put me through. I mean, that I've had some of the staters tell me that is the most stressful thing uh, to learn to uh, be able to pass that, uh, get through that training on the motorcycle. <laughs> it is. It's, it's the most challenging thing that you'll, you'll ever, ever do on a police department is go through that motorcycle training. And you're right. I, I grew up on motorcycles and, um, I knew nothing about the capabilities of what a motorcycle could do until I went through that course and then became an instructor. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Mm, yeah. Well, I'm, a, I'm sure you had to do, you know, <laughs> you probably had to do a lot of motivation for some of those guys are ready to quit any minute. Man, I, I talked to them. They'd go home just couldn't sleep. They were so freaked out about the whole thing. I mean, <laughs> and these are cops that have been around a while, you know? So, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Six years, six years as a sergeant. And then where'd you go, Jerry? So, um, they, they kind of downsized the traffic unit. You know, when I was hired. There was 43 officers assigned to traffic. And when I left traffic, there were, uh, 10, um, and now they're down to two. Really? in Tacoma. So the resources have been diverted to other areas. So um, the positions were downsized. And um, then I um, worked the desk for a while. Then uh, I got into uh, Homeland Security as the sergeant for that. Um, and then was promoted to a temporary lieutenant and really started bouncing around to internal affairs, investigations, um, uh, special assaults, and homicide. Um, wow. And then from finally promoted and then uh, took the permanent position as lieutenant. 
Okay. And so then you retired as lieutenant, huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm looking at all. That's a varied career. That's a lot of stuff. Uh, what was your favorite assignment, Jerry? Of all those, you had like patrol, narcotics, canine, motors, accident investigation, homeland, IA, uh, investigations, homicide. What Of all those, what was your favorite assignment? Well, uh, I liked each of them for different reasons. I loved motors because I had a great, great partner uh, while I was in motors. But without question, Billy Canine is where my heart is, for sure. Why would you say that is? Um, I think it's because you have to develop such a, an important relationship with the dog. Um, and one thing that you always stress and I always took, took it to heart was, um, all the glory goes to the dog. Um, the dog is always number one, no matter, you know, what the outcome is. And, um, you know, we're just basically the driver to get the dog to where he needs to be. And, um, we kind of have a, a, show, a chauffeur's role. <laughs> that's exactly right. You know, we just ran behind them and it was, it was a unique situation because, you know, the dogs were off lead. Um, you had to trust each other. They had to trust you that you weren't going to get in a situation that was going to get them hurt. And uh, you had to trust them. And many times, as I'm sure you can uh, testify to, uh, it was hard to trust them. You didn't think that bad guy really went that way uh, when he actually did. Man, I'll tell you. Yeah, man, you're bringing back some some emotions there, Jerry. Gee whiz, yeah, all those times, man. Um, and you're right. Uh, I can remember when... You talk about the dog having the top billing. They'd say, Boston Billy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there was a Bill and Boss, you know. It was Boston Billy. Yep. Of course, for my audience, the Boss was the name of my police dog. <laughs> so, yeah, Timo and Jerry. So, yeah, we were kind of the chauffeur and just let them go there. Yeah, we had some phenomenal animals. So, tell me, what what is the most challenging call you've ever had, Jerry? That could be your most dangerous, most humorous, or just what is a call that really stands out in your mind? Well, you know, I, I've been thinking about it, and the older you get, Billy, you you don't remember them as well. You know, I have I have officers that I worked with that'll come up to me and say, "Hey, remember when you and Timo did this?" And I'll be polite and say, "Oh, yeah, that was really a challenge. I don't remember it at all." Mm-hmm. But um, one one uh, one call in particular, and it was humorous. Um, we had a, a felon, uh, actually a juvenile felon, uh, rapist, escape from the juvenile facility there uh, in Tacoma, and um, assaulted an officer, fled on foot, and uh, Timo did a good three quarters of a mile track into this backyard uh, to a 200-foot Douglas fir tree. And he kept circling around this fir tree. And I couldn't see up it. It was night. You know, we had the 
good old SL20 Streamlight flashlights that were, you know, we thought they were great, but they were, you know, a little bit better than a candle. And um, down comes a cat out of this tree. And Timo and I had been working the road for four or five years at this time, and I, and we had conservatively 35 officers on containment because it was shift change. And I'm praying to myself that this bad guy is up this tree and Timo was just not indicating on this cat because he would never do that. And um, it took about an hour and we were able to get um, positioning up in the tree. And we, after me at the base of that tree, praying that the bad guy was up there and not just this cat, um, we saw the suspect up there and we were able to get him down and take him into custody. Wow. Wow. You know, that's one of those things where you think your dog's crazy, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can remember those guys up the tree. I can remember shining my light up and seeing, couldn't see a thing up there except for no. the bottom. The one, the one time I saw my light reflected off, he had white, bottom, the bottom of his shoes were white. And all you could see were the soles. Yeah. <laughs> 90 yeah. feet up that stupid thing yeah oh boy man and you know yeah. the challenge the way the dogs indicated around the tree they didn't just usually go right to the base of the tree you know they yeah. hit the scent cone there and circle around it several yeah. times um wow. so wow. yeah well that's a good one where it'd be, it's kind of humorous and another um the dog knew better than we do sometimes that's for sure yeah. Now, how, how about some of your other assignments? Did you have any, like you mentioned, homicide? Did you have any cases there that are worth kind of highlighting or talking about, Jerry? Well, I, one of them uh, particularly was difficult. We had a um, um, young lady, uh, preteen, abducted on the 4th of July. It, it made a lot of um, press up here actually natural, nationally by a convicted sex offender um, who unfortunately took her life. Um, we, uh, we called in the FBI um, and we ran 12, 12 hour shifts, squads of uh, 24 detectives around the clock investigating that. Um, it was a horrific outcome. We were able to discover her and take her um, to her family. Um, however, I, I think that was the most challenging because we had a mix of old school detectives that were dedicated and would work 48 hours without taking a break trying to recover this girl. And then we had kind of a newer generation who was, hey, it's my quitting time, I need to go home. Mm. Um, so as a, as a supervisor, that was really challenging, Billy, you know, that, hey, you don't know what this family is going through. We need, we need to stay on this until we, we have an outcome. So, um, yeah, that was, that was one that kind of I remember as a supervisor that um, it was a challenge for me. I couldn't understand, you know, there is no quitting time. You know, we, we got to stay on this. Um, so, yeah, that, that was one in homicide that I remember that was a, that was a challenge. 
for me uh, professionally. Now, let me ask you, um, did you stay in contact with the family after that? I did. Um, because I wasn't the primary contact person, I tried to um, stay back uh, from that. But there are calls that, you know, we had um, a serial killer up here in the Tacoma that, uh, that was just convicted um, about a year and a half ago of abducting a girl in Point Defiance. And I did, uh, Jennifer Bastion, and I did stay in contact with her family. And it's still difficult, even after 40 years um, going by, you know, even with my grandbabies, going out to that park and remembering the nights that we, we spent out there uh, looking for her and, and what she, she was recovered. So. The, the problem is, is that you bring up bad memories with these families and they're really trying to have closure. Um, so you really have to walk, be careful sure, and walk that, sure, that sure. line, you know. But, uh, you know, you I, I think a lot, of, a lot of people don't realize, Jerry, and that's one of the reasons for this podcast, to see cops for who they are. They're just human beings. But a lot of people think, okay, that case is over next. Well, no, you know, you get kind of wrapped up. Uh, one of my friends, homicide investigator, um, the family, uh, even though their loved one was uh, killed, sent flowers every year to the detective division. You know, um, can't that bond that you just don't break? I mean, that is a traumatic stuff. You remember everybody involved. They remember you. I mean, yeah, there's some bad memories there, but at the same time, I think people don't quite realize uh, uh, what officers experience. I mean, like you say, it's an honor to protect and serve and to be part of all that. But at the same time, you start adding those up. Um, <laughs> I still love going back to uh, Tacoma and Pierce County, and I drive down the road and think, well, I caught a guy there. and Oh, yeah, over there, that happened. And, you know, <laughs> you got all these memories as you're driving around the town. Well, so we don't do a good job of taking care of people either, Billy, when they leave, you know, um, we, we do a lot of training for people when they get on the police department, but we don't do any kind of training when they leave the police department on how to, how to cope with that kind of stuff. Well, that's one of my goals, uh, this podcast, and it'll be, I'll be expanding it soon. But that's one of my goals is to not wait until they're gone to reach out, but to start priming guys before they're going to leave. Okay, if I know I'm going to leave in five years, ten years, or even two years, well, let's start thinking about how that's going to work. Let's set up some organizations to keep them involved. Uh, there's nothing I enjoy more is getting um, the blogs from my old sheriff. <laughs> you know, it makes me feel like part of the whole gig. Maybe that's one of the reasons I was drawn to do these podcasts. You know, it keeps you in the flow of things. Now, you have your son is a police officer. Is that correct? I am very blessed. My my middle son, Josh, is uh, uh, a deputy with the King County uh, Sheriff's Office up here. And my son-in-law, 
is with the Seattle Police Department. So yeah, we um, uh, I live vicariously through them. Um, they constantly tell me that, um, oh, Dad, you know, you we have a lot more rules than you did when you were on the police department. And my response was, when I got on the police department, the old timers told me, oh, you'll never last. We got this new new law called Miranda, where you have to advise people of their rights before you even talk to them. Uh, oh, so every generation has their challenges. Yeah. So that's that's what I tell them. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. I think I was thinking about that the other day too, Jerry. Just okay. They've got the body cams now, and I thought, oh man, uh, there was no. <laughs> I don't know. TPD was a little ahead of the county, but we didn't even have portables, Jerry. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. But uh, you know, I thought, well, you know, whatever the rules are, I would adjust. You know, you just adjust as you go, and you know, and you still get the job done. Well, listen. So now you, ret- you. This is a phenomenal career you've had, Jerry, for sure. We could talk four more hours on each one of your assignments, uh, and you could tell me stories. Just in the canine part that I know about, uh, when I worked with you, it's fascinating things we got involved in. But now, since you've retired. I know that you took your investigative skills, and now you're you not only worked for a Harley Davidson dealership. Now, what did you do with Harley Davidson dealership after you retired? Well, like I mentioned earlier, I've been a, a bike enthusiast forever, and um, I was very fortunate. I was in the Harley community um, for 25 years. And um, both of my sons worked at the dealership at one time. And three days after I retired, the owner uh, met with me and said, hey, how would you like to run the service department? So I ran the largest uh, service department on the West Coast for uh, two years when I was with Harley. Wow. So, you know, that's, I love to hear that, how you translated your skills and what you learned on the police department and the motors and all that into your retirement, so you still kept involved there. Now, did that for two years, and after that, now, my understanding is you work investigations for a large retail. Can you say just a little bit about that? And I know that you're undercover, and we don't want to mention any names or anything, but tell me what you do now. So, basically, um, I do organized crime, uh, retail crime investigations. Uh, We have large uh, retailers that suffer billions of dollars in loss every year. And currently, the fad is we have crews that will hit multiple retailers uh, for hundreds of thousands of dollars in um, a very short period of time. And we track those people down and get law enforcement involved and get them arrested. That's what I'm currently doing, primarily on the West Coast, but um, they will fly teams across the nation to uh, work specific cases. So um, it's challenging. It's enjoyable. um, It's frustrating in this current environment. Uh, because property crimes are not high on law enforcement's radar at this time. But um, 
it's it's a good career uh keeps keeps me busy and uh it's it's challenging wow well so these aren't just shoplifters you're catching huh <laughs> no no the, these guys are stealing one of the truckloads yeah one of the cases we just recently closed was 23 million dollars well well see there again jerry there you are you took your skills from what you learned as an investigator with the police department and your supervisory skills and translated that into something you could enjoy post uh, post police department in your retirement years. And so, you know, I think we need to hear more stories about that. There's lots of things that can keep people involved and still give you a purpose in life, a reason to get out of bed in the morning. That's so important. Well, anyway, Jerry, I'll ask you one more question here. If there was anything that you would change on your journey, what would it be? Um, if I could have had that dog live uh, 30, 35 years, Billy, <laughs> that, that's what I would change because I would have done it from the first day to the last day. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to part with Fido's, that's for sure. Well, listen, yep. I know you've been, uh, you've kind of screwed up the numbers for police officers in the fact that you've been with the same woman for 45 years. Uh, yeah. My understanding is to be a good cop, you have to have at least two or three divorces, don't you, or something like that? Well, I'm guilty as charged. Um, <laughs> We were we were married very very young and um, she uh, is a phenomenal partner. I, when I was in canine on call out, uh, while I was putting on the jumpsuit, she was pulling the patrol car out and putting Timo in the back. So isn't that something? Uh, yeah. Yep. Well, we knew there was something behind you other than just your skills. That's for sure. So we knew. Absolutely. <laughs> so we thank Absolutely. Robin for that. And I, and I hope she's doing well. Well, Jerry, listen, it's just been a pleasure to talk to you. Now, one of the things, and I say this almost every time on every podcast, but uh, with 35 years and all the assignments you've had, I would, I try to get, I'm going to try to get you to commit to maybe a part two sometime because we just scratched the surface on some of the things that you could, some of the knowledge you could pass on to people. I didn't even ask you what you would tell a uh, new rookie cop coming on, what advice you'd give him, but we'll maybe do that next time. But listen, Jerry, I would love thank, it. thank you so much for being on the podcast. I haven't seen you for a while, but I'm going to be up that way and I'm going to make sure that we go out and tip a cool one or do something. I appreciate the opportunity, Billy. God bless you. You're doing a great thing. All right, Jerry, we'll talk to you later. And uh, that's it for the podcast from the Boys in Blue Studio. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Boys in Blue podcast. Again, I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. Boys in Blue comes out every other week. Subscribe to the Boys in Blue wherever you get your podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and let us know what you think. 